Welcome to Highly Questionable. I'm Izzy Gutierrez. I kind of don't want to think about what Dan's doing right now, but with George Sedano here, this show is back to being two-thirds Cuban. George, what do you like on the show? Oh, give me some Aaron Rodgers. He's a bad man. Let's do this, Bobby. Should we have expected more from LeBron's stance on Darren Morris' tweet? I'm not sure how many people were on pins and needles waiting for comments from players who played in China, because at the time when they did play, they weren't allowed to discuss anything with the media regarding Daryl Morey's tweet that started this whole stir-up with China. But here was LeBron's first public comments on the matter. When we all um, sit back and learn from the situation that happened, uh, understand that what you could tweet or could say... Um, and we always talk, we, we all talk about this freedom of speech. Yes, we all do have freedom of speech, but at times there are ramifications for the negative that can happen um, when you're not thinking about others and only on you only thinking about yourself. So um, I don't believe um, I don't want to get into a, a word a, a word or sentence uh, feud with Daryl, um, but Daryl uh, Morey. But I believe he wasn't educated on on, on the situation at hand, and um, and he spoke and. Uh, that so many people uh, could have been harmed, um, not only financially, but physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, so just be careful what we what we tweet and we say and what we do, even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be um, a lot of negative that comes with that, too. Now, I understand the conundrum that LeBron James is in. With one tweet, Daryl Morey forced a lot of us to have to inform ourselves about a subject going on that, frankly, is difficult to grasp when you live in a country as free as ours. But despite having all this time, several days, a week or so, to inform himself on it, despite being on the ground in China, being able to get more information on the subject and sound better when he does talk about it, he comes in sounding like the one who's misinformed and the one who's failing people. He's starting a war words with Daryl Morey when what he should have said, what he actually said was, look, this affected me and my teammates in a way that I did not like. And LeBron James is a bigger spokesman for the NBA than Daryl Morey is. He's a bigger spokesman for sports than Adam Silver is. And for him to come out sounding this way, sounding as if the NBA side of this is divided when we know China is unified in its subject, it's extremely disappointing. He offered up some comments afterwards via Twitter to clear this up. And he said Daryl Morey's comments could have waited a week. His tweet could have waited a week. When frankly, that's just wrong. It's not only selfish, but it's wrong because when Daryl Morey tweeted this, he could not have brought more attention to his subject that seemed to matter a lot to him. It's just largely disappointing that this is the way LeBron James came about this. The short answer is yes, we should have expected more. But here is the conundrum that I think you're talking about, Izzy. It's not just a financial one. I think with LeBron, he talked about not only financial harm, but potential physical harm. China doesn't play by our rules. And that's why a lot of the companies here and individuals here who do business with them are treating this situation and treading very lightly and delicately. Uh, ultimately, when you look at the situation with China and LeBron, he could have feared for him and his teammates' safety there. They could have been detained. There could have been a lot of different things that can happen there because they don't play by our rules. Those things also don't necessarily translate to you not loving your country and believing in freedom. Those things aren't mutually exclusive. But clearly, he drew a delineation here. There is a business interest that he and a lot of people, including the NBA and other Fortune 500 companies, have decided to take. It's as hypocritical as LeBron James has sounded when he speaks up on social issues here in the States and will not allow Daryl Morey to do so because it affects him. It's unfortunate he looks this way. It's unfortunate he doesn't want to speak about the actual matter at hand, but it makes him look hypocritical. Well, there is some good news for LeBron today. What's that, Papa? Taco Tuesday! <laughs> That's right, because that wasn't controversial at all. 
Did the Lions get hosed by the ref? Uh, short answer to go your way, George. Yes, absolutely. I mean, if you want to talk about the illegal hands to the face and things that continue to Packers drive late in that game, that's fine. You could say, hey, maybe it looked like he had his hands to the face, and maybe that referee didn't do his job that well. But there's other areas just not knowing the rules, like the Lions getting called for having 12 men defensively on the field, and the Packers never getting called for that, calling a timeout despite not being allowed to do that. They absolutely got hosed in this game. Aaron Rodgers was great, but the officiating has been terrible in this league, and so many voices have been out there saying just that. To Izzy's point, the Packers actually once had 13 men on the field (laughs) and were not flagged in that particular situation. But I'm not absolving the Lions here. When you get a defensive effort like that on Aaron Rodgers in the first half, if you're Matt Stafford in that offense, you got to capitalize on that because you know you're not going to keep him down the whole game. So ultimately, you can't absolve the Lions at all here in this situation. They had them. They could have put them away. They didn't decide to do that. Did they get hosed by the refs? Sure, but you you had the chance to put them away. You had the chance to finish them And off. that's fine. There's games every year where you could say, oh, we could have won that and we're going to blame the rest. But this is just part of the greater conversation about the referees this year. Whether it be because some of our better officials are going to the TV side or whether it be because the game is so complicated these days that their job is almost impossible, it seems like they're just doing bad jobs. Whether it be not knowing the rules at the time, whether it be not calling pass interferences, or whether it be refusing to overturn pass interferences interference calls. There are plenty of numbers that tell you the officiating is a problem right now and they don't really have a solution for it other than complaining like this. To your point, John Perry, our rules expert, was on Golik and Wingo today. He talked about how he was in college for 18 years before he became an NFL referee and it took him two or three years to adjust. And the average time now for referees from college to pro is only six years. So there's going to be a learning curve here. I think that 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 certainly plays a role in it. Do you know what uh, Fidel Godel is saying today? No, what's that? Thank you, LeBron. You know what he's talking about, those. Yeah. Rogers had some bigger controversies. This one is just going to get swept under the rug. Who was the biggest star for the Packers? Aaron Rodgers or Alan Lazard? I mean, that can't be a serious question. Alan Lazard is a player we just heard of yesterday. And, of course, it's Aaron Rodgers. I feel like Aaron Rodgers challenges himself the deeper it goes into the wide receiver depth chart. And when he gets guys like Alan Lazard, he's just saying, I'm going to make amazing passes. That pass that he threw to him, the 35-yard touchdown, was an absolute dime. And Lazard just finished the game looking like a superhero, but it was Aaron Rodgers making him do that. Aaron Rodgers is making throws in this game. And look, he does this all the time. It's prototypical Aaron Rodgers, especially when he's coming from behind, that really no one else in the league can make. As great as Russell Wilson has been this year, and he's probably the MVP, and as much of a resume as Tom Brady has, when Aaron Rodgers is on his game like we saw late in that game last night, there's nobody better at the position. I'm pretty hard on Aaron Rodgers, but you see this interview after the game? Nope. Oh, I like it. You said that a good group of people makes a great team. Talk about this group win tonight. Esto es un equipo increíble. Te amo estos hombres. It's a great group of guys. I'm privileged to be a part of them. I understand my role. I'm the old guy with the gray. El, el, el viejito. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, Adam. Eso estuvo bastante bien, pero óyeme, no me vas a convencer porque el español tuyo no es muy bueno. Oh. Yeah, this guy is harsh. When you figure out what he said, you'll react the way we did. 
Would it be a mistake for the Panthers to go back to Cam Newton? It sounds like a really difficult question, right? You've got Cam Newton coming back healthy, and of course you would want to replace Kyle Allen with him, but let's just give you some numbers. Kyle Allen's ratings and his starts, a 106.6. He's throwing the ball at a 65.6 completion rate. Cam Newton has done that once in his career. The Panthers are averaging 31.3 points a game with him as a starter. With Cam, it was about 20 and a half. And Cam is 0-8 in his last eight starts. I don't know if he's ever going to get back to his MVP level. And by the way, that season had a QB rating of 99.6. I don't know if he's ever going to get back to that level. But until you have evidence that he will and can carry this team on his own, why not stick with a guy that has not lost you a game, has not even thrown a single interception? To your point, Izzy, really... Since the MVP season, he had about a seven or eight game stretch last year before the shoulder injury where I thought he was playing at an MVP caliber type level or similar to what he was playing a couple of years ago. But really, that's it. That's just the blip on the radar as far as his career's been since that MVP. And I've seen this before, not apples to apples, but I remember in 1999, man, uh, Dolphins fan Dan Marino goes down at 37 years old. Physically, he was way more limited at that stage of his career, much like Cam is at this stage of his career, dealing with all those injuries. They brought in a backup quarterback, Damian Heward, went 4-1. and one. They brought in Marino, they lost the next three, and really hurt their playoff positioning. So if you're the Panthers, just be careful with history. It's not necessarily on your side. No here. chance in heck you knew that much about the 1999 Miami Dolphins. I bet. I, let's talk about it right now. Let's go through the whole roster, Izzy. Is Doug Pedersen totally off the rails? Oh, the Eagles coach went on his weekly radio show on 94.1 WIP and sounded bold. He sounded confident going into his game in Dallas this week. Here's what he said. I know the sky's falling outside. Yes. You know, it, it's, it's falling, and, and I get that, and the fans are, are, are reeling just a little bit, but but you know, we, we're going down to Dallas, and our guys are going to be ready to play. And we're going to win that football game. And when we do, we're in first place in the NFC East. We control our own destiny. We're right where we need to be. Yeah, that's exactly what you want to hear from a coach who just lost to Minnesota 3-3. Three and three. The division's right in front of them. But then he backed off of that. What? Did you guarantee it? Never said that. Okay. I never said that. It that never said guarantee a win. No, I'd never do that. I mean, come on. Like, what's the fear here? Again, look at your division. If you want to talk smack to the Dallas Cowboys, now's the time. You're the Philadelphia Eagles. You're the lovely underdogs that came all the way through with Nick Foles and won a Super Bowl. You talked smack then. You can talk smack now. It's okay. Technically, though, he didn't say we guarantee a win. So it's a bit of a semantics game. I get it. But, yes. He's the most bold coach we've seen in a long, long time. He goes for it on fourth down as much as anyone, if not more than anyone. So I am a little disappointed that he backed off of it. Man, this guy is off the rails. But you know who is on the rails? Wait a second. (laughs) You set up the question just like that. Wow. Coming up next on my son's TV show. He's smooth, man. I kind of think without the defense, offensively, he looks like a Clay Thompson, right? It doesn't seem like anything really bothers him. He can get his shot off clean anywhere on the floor. There's a there's a smoothness, a rhythm to his game. I really like it. Yeah, he's six six. He's kind of like a um, a little craftier version of Mike Miller, um, who didn't play defense like Clay Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> it's your favorite, Poppy. Oh, oh, yeah, Russia. Whoa! Oh, <laughs> All right. And that's an easy go- Oh, man. Wow. Oh, and if you look back at the turf monster, okay, what is happening here? So what is this goalkeeper doing? It looks like it's a flying oh, knee attempt, yes. Jorge Masvidal style. Yeah. And then you've got a wide open net, and you get shipped up by a turf monster. 
My Sons TV show is brought to you by PlayStation. Now, experience hundreds of incredible games available on demand. Time to play the game that needs a blood sacrifice. Do you question? You give us topics and events, and we question them. Cheers, George. Do you question which left fielder made the worst play? I mean, this is the National League Championship Series. We're just getting to it. These wonderful nationals have a great story. About to make their first World Series in franchise history. We want to talk about it, right? Nope. Let's just go make fun of Juan Soto and Marcelo Zuna for these errors in left field. One and two to count. There's Ozuna here. First. Oh, you know, listen, he dropped that. But I love how cool they look when they slide like that when they're about to make that catch. He looks cool like 75% of that. Just right there is when he didn't look so cool. slide and drop the ball. If you're going to do that, you have to come up with that every single time. I don't know about that. Here's Juan Soto. I mean, his team's up 7 to nothing. No big deal here, right? Okay. Why? Oh. Why? Why do we have to celebrate this? His team's up seven to nothing. Did we not just say that? <laughs> By the way, you want to know what Juan Soto's hitting in these playoffs? What's that? Oh, 83. Mm. Oh, Osuna was bad, but I have seen him playing worse. Of oh. course you have. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's against your Marlins. There we go. Oh, he's got a little bit of a reputation, I see. Oh, there's more. There's an entire montage of Osuna mess-ups. I'm surprised you didn't use it when he was actually a Marlin. What the hell was that? Oh, man. Depth perception, not his strength. He likes to climb yeah. the fence. He just like, wants is, to leave. He just wants to get out of there. Just let him go. I mean, good Lord. I didn't game plan this exactly right. Do you question if Tyler Hero is buzzworthy? Well, it's Tyler Hero, and he is buzzworthy. He's got to be your favorite rookie this year. He's buzzworthy now because he went for 20 points in the first half last night against the Hawks. Here's some of that. He's smooth, man. I kind of think without the defense, offensively, he looks like a Clay Thompson, right? It doesn't seem like anything really bothers him. He can get his shot off clean anywhere on the floor. There's a there's a smoothness, a rhythm to his game. I really like it. Yeah, he's six six. He's kind of like a um, a little craftier version of Mike Miller, um, who didn't play defense like Clay Thompson. <laughs> he's ninety eight percentile right now in the half court. Like he literally doesn't hit the rim. Like he's incredible shooting the ball right now this preseason. Counterpoint. What's that? Javel McGee also hit a three last night. <laughs> no way. That's right. Surprise right. everybody. Maybe Tyler Hero's not that impressive if... He's just faking. He's trying to pass. He's like, ah, the hell with it. If Groot can shoot a three. <laughs> I mean, come on. Get in there. Wow. Did three and those. There's your real there's hero the right there. Do you question which was the better defensive play? Ah, uh, there's not much NFL or college football to discuss, so let's go to California and look at some high school football footage. Oh, I saw this. Oh, <laughs> I mean, no. listen, listen, he's going the wrong way, right? What? And somebody's got to stop him. First, I would yell, but clearly he can't hear you. And his teammates tackles him, saving the safety. But yes. look, look at this again. I would be pretty confused, too, right? It looked like I was receiving this pass. I don't know what that quarterback's <laughs> looking at. And I'd turn around and run for a touchdown, wouldn't you? Yeah. Now, look at the guy at the bottom of the screen on the sideline trying yeah. to chase him as well. That part is hilarious. And then this other guy, very upset throwing his hands in the air. Somebody get that DB a hearing aid. <laughs> you know, that happens in basketball, too. What? Really? Oh, oh wait. Yeah. Is it too... Oh, I thought it was JaVale McGee. <laughs> <laughs> hey! Oh! I mean, come on. What's he doing? 
is missing. <laughs> You're too old. Do you question who made the worst play? Uh, well, now that we've exhausted all of our high school football footage, let's go to third division soccer in Russia. Oh, oh Russia, okay. Yeah. It's your favorite, Poppy. Oh, oh, yeah, Russia. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> all right. And that's an easy... Oh, man. Wow. Oh, and if you look back at the turf monster... Okay, what is happening here? So what is this goalkeeper doing? It looks like it's a flying oh, knee attempt, yes. Jorge Masvidal style. Yeah. And then you've got a wide-open net, and you get shipped up by a turf monster. All right, third division soccer says it all here. But the guy who had the goal... I mean, literally, nobody was in front of you, dude. Like, you got to finish that play. You think that that was bad? I've seen it worse, miss. Okay. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Oh. All right. Where is this? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. No way. <laughs> we just showed that one just to show that embarrassing Serbian footage. Coming up next on my Souls TV show. Davis, Cardiff, California, owned the trucking business, it says here. Small trucking business yeah. in San Diego. Yeah. Good for you. And talk about your family. I've been trapped in a loveless marriage for the last 12 years. Battle axe named Kim. She cursed my life with three stepchildren. Highly questionable is broadcast from the Clevelander Hotel on beautiful South Beach, Miami. Time to play the game that is exhausted by socializing. See? Oh, no. Nobody likes small talk. You tell us what to watch on TV tonight, we'll tell you if we're intrigued. Tonight at 8.05 p.m., Game 4, Cardinals and Nationals. Of course, let me remind you once again, the Nationals are one game away from their first ever World Series. And a large part of that is because of 36-year-old Howie Kendrick, who went 3-for-4 last night. Here's some of that. Just three doubles. From a guy who, what, had an Achilles tear that he's recovered from yep. in his late 30s? Mid-30s? Yeah, basically he's a utility-type player these days. He's only getting 300-some-odd at-bats during the season. It is cool one heck of a story, yeah. Man. There's another one. Just ropes. Looks like he's running just fine, too. How about you, George? Are you intrigued? CC, the Nats could be going to the World Series for the first time, and Corbin and Hudson on the mound. I'll take it. How about you, Papi? Are you intrigued? Oh, see, see, I'm very intrigued. Listen, yesterday I predicted that the Cardinals were going to win. No one, no two, but three straight. Well, I was a day off. Today I'm predicting that the Cardinals are going to win. Not one, not two, not three, but four straight. All right, they're predicting a comeback that we've only seen one time before. Nobody else has the guts to say that. Yeah. Show me your guts, Papi. Show me your guts. That's right, right there. Tonight on ABC, Wheel of Fortune. Well, of course, we all love Pat Sajak around here, and we love those little conversations he has with contestants, right? Here's a little taste of that. Uh, Blair Davis, Cardiff, California, owned the trucking business, it says here. Small trucking business yeah. in San Diego. Yeah. Good for you. And talk about your family. I've been trapped in a loveless marriage for the last 12 years. Battle <laughs> 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 named Kim. She cursed my life with three stepchildren named Star, RJ, and Ryan, and I have one rotten grandson. <laughs> Wow, that made air. How about you, George? Are you intrigued? CC, give me Blair. <laughs> One more time. Give me more Blair. Plus, I'm not smart enough for Jeopardy. Give me Wheel of Fortune all day. How about you, you old battle axe? Are you intrigued? <laughs> oh, CC, I'm very intrigued. Listen. I wish I had one, one, just only one rotten grandchild. No. Just one. Just one. <laughs> true. That is true. You don't you have might have one soon. Yeah. Maybe. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for watching. Thanks for watching. It's me and George all week. I'm sorry. 
Boy, that's a nice tie. Mm. Ooh, ah, look at that color. <laughs> <laughs> I need a dad. That's yours now. Oh, <laughs> gross. <laughs>